Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are listening to this. My name is Daniel Carpio of the Inscriber Digital Magazine, and I wanted to discuss a couple of things. Um, I knew that when I, the last part I did last week, it was mentioned the next episode was going to be the bloodline. This will happen tonight. I was just too tired to do it that night before and there was a third episode that I was thinking of doing which I'm gonna which is the one I'm doing now and it's it was largely actually gonna involve the situation involving Nikki and Bray Garcia the Bellas or the former Bellas but <laughs> obviously since Thursday much of rest, much of the wrestling speaking areas would were clearly dominated by one Phil CM Punk Brooks, and this seemed to me to actually be the more relevant way for me to talk about something that has been brought up before, and it's actually been brought up a few times in various interviews and. It's actually been discussed by a YouTuber called BC Amplified. But this is something that's been around for a while when it comes to AEW. Mainly, like I said, Punk's comments and his latest bridge burning, let's put it to this way, his latest turn with a flamethrower. But it also indicates part of a bigger question that needs to be asked is still at this stage when it comes to AW. It's a question that I'm not surprised we're still going to ask at this stage. Which is what is AEW's purpose in the wrestling business? I'm going to get into that question a little bit. But first, obviously since Thursday we have been talking about Phil, CM Punk Brooks, and his latest <laughs> bridge birdie. Now, this his thing, which was a Twitter, no, no, sorry, not a Twitter, an Instagram post that he deleted. It, effect, it apparently was a response to a comment that Dave Meltzer made on his message board. Now, I don't have verbatim Dave's um, Dave Meltzer's message on the message board, but mainly the gist of it, I remember in my head, is because he was answering somebody on that message board saying, do you know why Punk and Moxley were not advertised as much as it should have been? is because all parties agreed to do the squash match and then AEW got a legal letter saying that Punk was not okay doing the squash match because he wasn't clear that he wasn't going to do it and that was the situation until Tony Khan put his foot down and there was a thought process that he may not even show up to the point dynamite where he was going to set up this now Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful 
actually retweeted something because he mentioned something about this in August. Because there was a report from FIFO that said sources within AEW thought that there was a chance CM Punk was not going to show up. I think it was like mid, a mid-August tape in the Dynamite where he was supposed to set up the match with Moxley for All Out. And what they said out, saved the afterward to say, I want, he said he wanted to say a lot of good things about Punk, and you could actually take some of the things he thinks about Moxley to heart on certain things. But, but we shouldn't assume that he, even though he did do the job, that he was a willing participant. This apparently is what Phil Brooks responded. Now, I have, luckily, I have here in front of me. A screenshot of CM Punk's parent response to Dave. And like I said, when you read this and you realize what's happening, yeah, it's bad. It starts, sigh. I wasn't clear to come back to wrestle yet. The plan was to wrestle at the pay-per-view. I sat and listened to Moxley's Rocky 3 idea. I explained how I'd never seen a Rocky movie. Now, this has been one of the things that people have just completely <laughs> gone to town over. The fact that CM Punk has not seen the Rocky movies. Personally, I've seen the Rocky movies my fans have seen Rocky movies, but there are a good amount of people that have not seen it. But it is such a cultural icon in many ways, Those that series, that it's... When you hear somebody say they haven't seen it, it's still surprising, even though, yeah, there's a good amount of people that haven't seen it. But I'll continue. And I thought the idea sucked, but if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. Now... Actually, I should explain what the Rocky Three storyline is. In Rocky Three, that was the movie where Stallone, Rocky Balboa, he beat Apollo Creed for the world title, and he started getting defenses, but they weren't like top contenders. He eventually met his number one guy, Clever Lang, after Clever berated him in the press conference and that was when he lost to Clever Lang that was also when Rocky lost his trainer Mickey died and it was for the rest of that movie it was Apollo Creed Rocky's first rival training him to get to get that eye quote unquote the eye of the tiger back so he can beat Clever Lang Which is what's, which is, if you see how the build, if you remember how the build was to Mox, to the Moxley matchup at All Out, that's what it felt like in a way. That's what they were trying to push. So, so apparently, they say he agreed to it. I'll go back to it. I thought it was a, I thought the idea sucked, but if the boss wanted to do it, whatever. 
he said he wouldn't lose to me. I've never experienced someone refusing to lose to me. Now, this is like this is CM Punk accusing John Moxley of not wanting to do the job for him. At all out. I just laughed. I asked Tony if this is what he wanted. He said yes. He's the boss, so I said okay. But I need to be clear first. They kept saying it could just be a squash, so I didn't need to be cleared. I scoffed at that. My health is more important. Now, obviously, if you follow the career of CM Punk, you know the biggest issue that he had, one of the biggest issues that he had with WWE. is the fact that they had him wrestle while he was injured. And those injuries ultimately led to that staph infection that got misdiagnosed. Almost wound up killing him. And was the was one of the catalysts for him walking out of WWE and him suing the doctor of WWE for that misdiagnosis. It's one of it was one of the ways he burned the bridge. He nuked the bridge with WWE. That obviously the, the podcast called Cabana, which that said he wound up that's another bridge he wound up burning. But if you know the if you're fantasy punk, if you just follow the career of CM Punk, you would figure that would be one of the touchy parts that he would not be okay with. And this is the part where, like I said, he really starts grabbing the napalm. Dave Meltzer is a liar. Jericho is a liar and a stooge. There were plans, but plans always change. Now, obviously, calling Dave Meltzer a liar. It's plain as a calling Dave Meltzer a liar. Jericho can liar and a stooge. Now, this could be taken two ways. Uh, this could be taken as punk accusing... Chris Jericho of being the person that fed that information that Meltzer put out on the message board and also to answer the dig uh, that supposedly that Jericho, no Jericho I think he did say it that he admitted him saying that after CM Punk had his tirade in in all our media scrum last year that Afterwards, he ran. He ran to Punk and called Punk a cancer. And afterward, he he's put on the statement that he, he was one of the people that wanted to make sure that CM Punk would never get back in in the AEW locker room. That could that could be the way so you've taken it. The that there were plans. Plans always change. That is also considered a. Dig at Meltzer, and pretty much dig at wrestling dirt sheets because one thing that dirt sheets do is they put out, hey, this could be what's happening, and if something doesn't happen, card subject to change. <laughs> it's one of those things we're like, okay, yeah, we ran into this issue.
Um, but the last part of it is the part that's pretty definite. I'll never put a company over my health ever again. Now, Fightful put out a lengthy report after this. And like I said, I'll, I'll say it in many ways. Like, I, on Twitter, I had, I think, one run in with Sean Rossap because, and I was amazed that he responded so long afterward because when the MJF situation was happening, at double or nothing and it started to look like him threatening not to leave him buying a plane ticket felt like a work I put out a tweet because I, I think I put out a tweet and it involved Sasha Banks yeah it involved Sasha Banks and it involved Raj Gary obviously Sasha Banks is not Mercedes Monet and I think I pretty much said like you know It'd be interesting that WWE is working Raj the way AEW works Sean Ross Sapp when it came to the MJF story. He responded six months later. I don't know why he responded six months later. But besides that interaction, he's been one of the most reliable reporters when it comes to wrestling. So, to, I take his reporting... I take it pretty seriously in that sense and there's a reason why because he's he has a proven track record Meltzer also has a proven track record but Fife will put out a lengthy lengthy report on this now I read parts of it because I like, said to get the full report it's five dollars folks Go to FightfulSelect.com. It's a Patreon page. You can link there and the report is there. Now, people will screenshot it or put it out. But, like I said, I'm going to go over some parts of the report. Not all of it because, like I said, I'm, I'm not going to do that to Mr. Sap in that front. But I'll take the major parts of it out. Things got cooking with CM Punk and only wrestling again. When Punk posted... An Instagram story on March 23rd, Fight Fighter had already been working on an expansive CM Punk update, but that gave us more to ask about. In the post, CM Punk confirmed the Fight Select report from last fall that General Moxley pitched the idea of CM Punk losing in a quick match before their all-out match. That was one of that's a report that I mentioned earlier. Those familiar with the situations that the punk I communicated wasn't comfortable competing in the capacity until it had been cleared prior to the August 24th match. Now, I remember, I think it was August 17th or 18th, that was the episode of Dynamite where people said that he, the AEW sources, were saying they were not sure that he was going to show up. Yeah, August 17th, that's what it would be. But I said that they made travel arrangements. And there was an idea of additional reimbursement for him to do it. Per Punk's claims. Now, see, so they're talking about the possibility of heat between John Moxley and CM Punk over the situation. Because of the promo that John Moxley put out after 
all out. Because one of the things that happened after Brawl Out was you had a locker room meeting that was led by Chris Jericho, John Moxley, and Brian Danielson, making themselves like the new, technically, new locker room leaders. This is at the time when, like said, with Diggy, where the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, the other parties that were involved in Brawl Out, were all were suspended. AEW and CM Punk have had some contact. In fact, some close to Punk claim that he and Tony Khan had spoken or had a couple of meetings, though we aren't sure what, if anything, came from them. That I'm not surprised. Uh, I'm not surprised by it because you couldn't just be completely radio silent ever since brought out in that situation. It's impossible. They've had to have some talks. We do know there was a planned meeting in mid-February that was delayed, supposedly due to Jerry Jarrett's funeral. Now, obviously, if you know, Jeff Jarrett signed to AEW in mid-February. His father, Jerry Jarrett, legendary wrestling promoter, passed away. So they had to delay some things in that front. At one point, those close to Punk believed that he wanted out of his contract without a non-compete clause. This has been out for a while. This has been out for an entire situation where there was a belief that Punk wanted to be bought out and he didn't want to have a non-compete clause. And Tony did. That was one of the first reports that came out of saying, like, okay, he was bought out. The main sticking point is the non-compete clause. Because Tony Khan may want to have a non-compete clause. That's the duration of Punk's contract. Now, this is the part where if there's any part that you do not want to believe in reporting, this is the part. <clears throat> Punk was open to returning the AEW and even wanted to. There were, there were reports, they eventually they put out a report saying that he heard that CM Punk was trying to get back into AEW. In an important note, at least one person claimed that Punk was willing to apologize for the scrum portion of the All Out Evening. There was a lot of context absent to that claim, specifically to whom and to whether publicly or privately. That's probably the part where I say... I would probably say to whoever told Charasat this, you, you cap it. You cap it, my dude. Because given CM Punk's history and given how much his pride has played into not apologizing for certain things, I, I would not buy that he was actually willing to apologize in the situation. The only person, actually, no, the only person that he would probably even apologize for was would be the Tony Khan, and he would probably do it privately. He wouldn't probably wouldn't apologize to the Unbox or Kenny Omega or anything like that because they're still beefing. Like I said, <clears throat> let me see here. Sources said that Punk was originally considering the pretend 
potential of legal action, but haven't heard anything about that being broached in months. Like I said, that, that, that's part of the talks of him being part of the contract. It would involve lawyers. Now, here's the part where people started getting a little bit hyped up and they forgot to read the rest. In fact, those that we spoke with felt that there had been productive progression, well, potential legal action, but I haven't heard anything about that in months. In fact, those who spoke with felt that there had been productive progression in the opposite direction. However, sources within AEW that spoke with lost confidence that Punk would be returning after the March 23rd post. One of the main reasons why also CM Punk has not been on AEW television is the fact that he got hurt. He tore his, I think he tore his tricep in that match. And that's the, I think the last part of it that he finished with. As far as CM Punk's injury status, he tore his tricep at AEW a lot before the scrum. Those were not a situation said that he was hopeful that he could be fully healthy by late January, but believed that now that he'd be able to be cleared and if by now very soon. There was some asking about him filming for Heel Season 2 since he posted a picture from the set recently, but that season reportedly wrapped up last July. Now, There's a lot to open up when it comes into that. Because um, after that, CM Punk has just been... He's been on a trolling campaign. He's been copying Reddit posts and putting them there. And couldn't really... Because he knows people are paying attention to it. All that this tells me when it comes to the situation is that nothing has really changed. From what happened at Brawl Out. Nothing has essentially changed. Because, yeah, he could probably sit at, Punk could probably sit at home for months and just relax. And then he'll probably feel a bit remorse because he's not there, he's rehabbing. But things happen to start poking the bear a bit. And unfortunately, with somebody like Phil Brooks, it only takes one little incident for him to go from positive direction to go full-blown blowtorch burning bridge boat again. And that looks to be what we're at the case. So we're literally almost right back where we started at the brawl out, which is a situation that could be very tenuous at best because if you if you want to take his posts to heart and trust me CM Punk has a lot of fans a lot of passionate fans that will do it they'll happily clap like seals when he says something but in this context if you're gonna take his word on it he has a case against AEW. 
so if Tony Khan had tried to release him or tried to fire him, there's a good chance that Punk may have floated the idea, hey, do you remember when you had me working not clear? What if I start bringing that up and bring that to court? And given the fact that AEW has a pretty sketchy history when it comes to how they deal with injuries. We've seen wrestlers in AEW tapings literally be knocked out from concussions. Nothing happened. They live in a tag team match. I forgot who it was, but somebody was knocked out. And his tag team partners had to literally drag the limp body of the person that's unconscious back to the corner while they finished the match. And obviously, the more famous situation is uh, that street fight that Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara had where Matt Hardy's head clearly hit at one point hit pavement concrete. You can clearly tell he was clearly concussed and they had him finish the match. Like, like there are there are instances where you can look at AEW and say like, oh yeah, this doesn't look good. But what's interesting about the situation is that he, like I said, CM Punk put this out and then he soon deleted it. Now, Brian Last of the Jim Cornette podcast, he literally did say was CM Punk forced to take down the comments? And then apparently he put in screenshots of what's supposed to be like, I guess, the employee handbook for AEW talent. And I don't know if that playbook had to be appeared after Brawlout or before Brawlout, but it's pretty much a standard corporate playbook that's pretty much says, oh, you cannot talk bad about the company through social media. You cannot disparage this company when you're re-employed and the punishment is fines, suspensions, or firings. Like it, it, The agreement is a basic corporate handbook where, where what you can do, what you can talk about. And that could be the case. That could be the case there where either... See a Punk's legal counsel or a W's legal counsel reached out to Punk and said, Take this down, you're in violation of the handbook. And Punk took it down. And like I said, he's been in a little bit of a trolling campaign after this. But what's interesting <laughs> is that Chris Jericho, right afterwards, he put out, as part of the Instagram, he put out a gif of Matt Hardy when Broken Matt Hardy were 
he yells delete and he waves his arms like delete 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 seemingly taking a shot of punk and punk put out a put out the gift saying I'm told for this shit like I've for, for the Dark Heart movies I said this is a, it, we're, you're exactly in the same situation that you were after Brawl Out and my belief at that time was that the next time a major meeting between CM Punk and AEW where both parties were being involved to me it was either going to be in a conference room or in a courtroom because it wasn't going to involve litigation and that very much still looks to be the case with CM Punk and AEW because he, he is accusing them of some pretty serious things and that's tough to get away from especially given his history so I know a lot of people want there's some people like I wish I had the optimism of a YouTuber called Just Alex when it came to the situation I wish I would have his optimism because he's one of the people that believe from the Fife Report oh CM Punk's coming back he is coming back for sure this is just building heat for his return and he'll he'll either come back with FTR or he'll work well obviously he can't work with Bradbill Combat Club because he has even Moxley but he's working with them and that's how he's going to come back because he's right in the sense CM Punk versus the Elite in the storyline is a storyline that would generate a lot of money for AEW it would I do not disagree on that. Unfortunately, knowing the history of Phil Brooks, knowing how he gets when he gets to a certain point, and even if you work through it, it like I said, it only takes one little incident for him to fully go back into flamethrower, burn bridge mode, scorched earth, and I think that's where we are now. But this opens up a question when it comes into, because the whole symbolism in the fact that Punk versus the Elite situation, it's actually, to me, part of a larger question that does need to be asked. And like I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned it because you said a YouTuber BC Amplified covered this, and it's been a situation where various quotes from Kenny Omega, The Elite, and Cody Rhodes recently. You had comments come up and given also the way Tony Khan talks about AW. And how some other parties talk to when it comes to AW. There is a genuine question that needs to be asked. Because there seems to be a very, very large disagreement. Or a very, very large gap in the philosophy at the top of AW. Which is, what is AW supposed to be? It is supposed to be simply an alternative to WWE, where 
you watch and you see wrestlers that you wouldn't see in WWE. We have Max, and you have scenarios that you wouldn't see in WWE that would garner an audience. Or would you, or would you believe that AEW is actually direct competition to AEW and the entire mission of AEW is to overtake WWE and wind up putting WWE out of business? That's a genuine question that needs to be asked because. Of just how visceral the tribalism has gotten at the top of because AW and obviously in this flowed down to the audience, to the fans. Like one of the things, one of the one of the worst things you can actually do if you're not looking at politics, at least well, actual politics is. Just take a look at wrestling Twitter. And just see how visceral the tribalism is between people that are on the side of AEW and people that are on the side of WWE. Now, there's a reason why I said that I didn't say WWE fans and AEW fans, because just looking at that discourse. It looks to me like a lot of the most visceral people that you would think they're AEW fans. To me, they're not really AEW fans. It looks like they're clearly just anti-WWE fans. And they just and AEW just so happens to be the biggest promotion that they could latch on to at the time. They did it with Impact. They did it with New Japan. They did it with Ring of Honor. That's that looks to be what's happening. But there's a fundamental question that needs to be asked on it, be, on this because AEW is in its fourth year of existence. Remember, the company technically started in 2019. 2019 to 2020, first year. 2020 to 2022, pandemic era, second year, 2022 to 20, 2021 to 2022, the third year, but then 2022 to 2023, this is the fourth year. This is the fourth year of existence. And the fact that this question can legitimately be asked is a bad sign. Now, the reason it has to be asked is because one of the things that happened after WWE bought WCW and bought ECW that those companies folded and WWE wound up buying the intellectual properties of them. A A situation arose because it was the beginning, it was the early, early days of the internet wrestling community, the colloquially the IWC, really starting to take hold. And 
particularly when it comes to fan pages and message forums. And a lot of those message forums, wrestling message forums, were filled with bitter WCW fans, bitter WWE fans, well, not, sorry, bitter WCW fans, bitter ECW fans, and bitter WWE fans that came after WWE made one of the biggest creative mistakes they'd made in turning Stone Cold Steve Austin heel online and face with man. That event, that essentially killed the Attitude Era. But that group of fans cultivated itself in the message boards early on, like in the early 2000s. And one of the things that they liked to do was fantasy book. And one of the common themes that came out of this was a belief that they could book things better at WWE. Like pretty much a lot of the boards, the main, the main message or the main theme was if we had the money, we would start a wrestling promotion and we would put Vince McMahon out of business. And it wasn't done just because because they didn't like the product of WWE. Like, remember, these were better WCW and ECW fans mostly. They wanted revenge because they felt WWE killed their beloved promotions. Even though on, EC, on ECW's side, it's unfortunately, it was a situation where there were big fish in a small pond. They tried to jump into a much bigger pond and they were the much smaller fish. They were never really financially feasible to sustain themselves for a long time. And Paul Heyman has flat out admitted this. And in WCW's case, it was, a, for, it was also a situation of them being part of a corporate entity that most of the board did not want anything to do with them. So, it led to a lot of corporate mismanagement. But history, in many ways, is also written by the winners. And WWE writes the myth that they won the war. They, because of their idea, the Attitude Era, they won. And that bitter and that develops a bitterness from fans of WCW and ECW and that festered in the IWC. The main reason I mention this is because those message boards are the place where Tony Khan cultivated and has built his booking philosophy around. And also developed pretty much his attitude when it comes to the situation. Now on the business side, from the actual promotion side, outside of Impact, when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff came in, a lot of the bis, a lot of pretty much on the business side, promoters, pretty much, and and this is in the U.S. I'm not talking about Mexico. I'm not talking about Japan. I'm talking about strictly in the U.S. in North America. 
a lot of the promoters pretty much came to the conclusion that yeah WWE has become too big to overtake indirect competition they're a publicly traded company they have more money than they do and because they have more money than they do they have more resources those resources ultimately are what separates them from WWE and so for a good amount of time a lot of the promotions that started and developed in the media days after the falls of WCW and ECW did not start with the philosophy of hey let's be direct competition in WWE let's try to take them on no they were like okay no the philosophy was let's show an alternative because WWE has a particular type of group of wrestlers that they like to have let's just show an alternative because that's what that's one of the things particularly when it came to the ECW side that's how their fans were cultivated they wanted just something that was different from WWE and WCW at that time and you saw it things like promotions like CZW Combat Zone Wrestling Chikara early Ring of Honor then even early TNA their mission statement wasn't we're going to directly challenge WWE we're going to try to overtake WWE their mission statement was we're just going to show an alternative to WWE and they were able to cultivate their audience because of that Chikara developed an audience PWG developed an audience TNA developed an audience Ring of Honor developed an audience because they showed what was an alternative to their main product <clears throat> and I said save for the time where TNA legitimately tried to compete against WWE when Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff were put in charge of that they outside of that that was how it rolled and that's pretty much how the indie culture was built around it was that indie culture that Cody Rhodes when he left WWE that's the culture he came into in the indie scene and that's the culture that showed itself even if it was in reality a Ring of Honor production that's what the spirit of All In in 2018 was we're going to show a direct alternative 
And if we have some like big names that were XWWE names, that's fine. But we're going to show a product that is different from WWE, but we're not flat out competing against WWE. And that feels like that is the attitude when you read statements that were made by the Young Bucks, statements that were made by Kenny Omega, statements that were made by Cody Rhodes, particularly the statement I think that Cody Rhodes made when talking about the brawlout situation, how he felt about it when it happened. It feels like they, the, what do you want to say, the EVPs, obviously with work Cody, the Young Bucks, and Kenny Omega, their philosophy was, we want AEW to be the alternative to WWE. Not competition, but the alternative. We want to show talent that you wouldn't see in AEW. Segments that you wouldn't see in WWE. But something that shows an alternative that says that, okay, this is a different product from WWE. And early AEW was that. But, like I mentioned, there's also this side at the top of AEW that feels that they, the point of AEW is to be that direct competitor to WWE and to and the mission statement is we should overtake WWE we should be the top dog in the wrestling business and like I said because of his attitude and because of his wrestling development works from those message boards I think Tony Khan is on that side and even though they're not they may not be EVPs you can see Chris Jericho and probably even John Moxley being part of that group especially when you when you talk about Chris Jericho you talk about somebody that was very very loyal to many ways to the concept of WCW the concept of being an alternative to WWE and only when it became a point that he was not getting pushed anymore obviously wrestling politics that he ultimately wound up going to WWE but he talked about it he did talk about it that he mentioned I think Chris Jericho mentioned that I think it was I think it was in the WWE Network series when they talked about the death of WCW when he heard how much WWE purchased the intellectual property of WCW for which I think was like around three or four million dollars. He said, "Oh, if that was the if they were just for that much, I could have I could have scrunched up the money myself, and I could have bought it." And he may want to have may have wanted it to just be the that alternative to be competition, and AEW is the closest thing to it, and with Moxley. It's a situation where 
creatively, WWE was not fulfilling when he was Dean Ambrose. Because of both mistreatments, because of his attitude in certain areas. Like the one the main thing you can throw at John Moxley when it comes to his tenure at WWE when thing when saying that you know what, it's not all on it's not all on Vince, it's not all on that big dub is the interview that he had. When like the first iteration of Stone Cold podcast. The interview that Stone Cold and John Moxley had as the Ambrose, that was one of the worst interviews that you could ever listen to. And this is when this is when John Moxley, I think, was WWE champion. So there's a lot of bad baggage when it comes to Moxley and WWE. And to wrap it around the area when it comes to the CM Punk area, this could also be one of the reasons why Tony Khan doesn't really want to let him go. Because of how CM Punk left WWE and how WWE in turn did him dirty, no matter, sorry folks, no matter how they much they want to claim that it was a clerical error with parentheses so forth you can call it a clerical error that your termination letter after you you walked out of the company the termination letter just so happens to arrive to you on your wedding day especially in this business when you know that hey he has friends that still work here. They may want to go to his wedding. He may be invited to his wedding. He's marrying somebody that's still technically an employee in AJ Lee. Yeah, no matter how much WWE may want to spin it, they ain't fooling nobody when it comes into that. They did that with malicious intent. So I completely understand CM Punk when it comes to that situation. When it came to him in WWE. With him. And the company. Unfortunately, what's happened with him since then is he's burned bridges. He's ended relationships with people simply because they worked with WWE. People that have been friends with him for years. Like, they'll... Every story of Sir's the same. It's like he, he changed, he just shifted, he just started not talking to as many people anymore and then he like I said he pretty much shunned them just simply because you work for WWE. And that attitude went both ways because Vince, Triple H at that point, early on in his actual corporate duties. Yeah, they probably had a bad taste in the mouth when it came to punk. But that attitude, that vindictiveness that punk has against WWE could make Tony said, could make Tony Khan feel like, oh, he's part of my camp. He wants to be competition WWE. He wants to take down WWE. And that means he should be with me. 
he should be with us. But the problem is you have this, this situation here where if it's true that Tony Khan made him work made him do a match while not being cleared given his history how he would feel about working injured especially when you know he's very quick to litigate if he feels like he needs to it could be why the situation is the way it is now and it could be part where you have a battle in w- within AEW right now or what they feel they should be and this is a situation where you see it at the top and if it's a situation like that where you see it at the top then you have a very very bad issue indeed because like I mentioned they AW is in its fourth year of existence they have an issue with a video game that it's been in development for three years. Tony Khan has admitted that he's eight figures in the red. There's probably now nine figures in the red when it comes to video game. You don't know the company's profitable. You really don't know what the situation is as far as rights renewal. Tony Khan's painting this picture of optimism that, oh yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a deal because there's going to be an increase. But you're looking at the corporate entity that you're dealing with and that's Warner Brothers Discovery. There's a legit there's a legit scenario that in the beginning of the next year, Warner Bros. Discovery may not be the people that he has to talk to. He may be actually the one having to talk to Comcast. And if Comcast still has a relationship with AW or even more acquires AW no, sorry, if they have a relationship if Comcast has a relationship with WWE still, do the rights deals, or worst case, if they even acquire WWE as intellectual property and they also acquire Warner Brothers Discovery that puts AEW in a bad spot and you have all of this dealing with it that's where you need to actually focus on when it comes into what they want to do because it's a philosophy that ultimately may wind up hurting them. May ultimately wind up hurting them. And I don't want them to... I don't want AW to fail. You can talk about all you want and say, like, oh yeah, people want AW, AW to fail. I don't want AW to fail. WWE needs a creative competition of AEW in order for them to be better. But when you have these questions and when you have this situation where your biggest star 
Sorry, CM Punk is AEW's biggest star. You're still having this issue, this situation. It, it's a powder keg that keeps exploding, and it's pro, it may actually be best for both parties to walk away. Like I mentioned, that's that's where we're going to end it here. AEW has a lot that they need to think about. And it's a lot that they need to rebuild. In order to not really fall behind. Because barring Vince McMahon really taking over and doing it in the most scummy way possible. Which, yeah, he can. Barring that, the business direction WWE is going, where they're selling out arenas, they're making more money in markets that they have never made before, and that's going to talk about now. They have one of the best storylines that they've have, they've had in years. It's not a good look. But next up, folks, thank you for listening to this podcast. You're going to catch me immediately afterwards because now. We're going to talk about, like I mentioned, one of the best storylines that WWE has had in years in the bloodline. Have a good one, y'all.